Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Bus. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Malka Sports. Visit MalkaSports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A Sports.com. An iconic athlete joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio, the great Mark Messier, Hockey Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champion, the only player in NHL history to captain two different teams to Stanley Cup wins. He led the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Rangers to Stanley Cup wins. He's joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Messier is going to also discuss his role as brand captain for a queso hemp powered hydration. Messier is one of the top five hockey players in the history of sports, and he's really a great leader. Everyone talks about Tom Brady's got seven championships. Michael Jordan has six. Mark Messier has six Stanley Cups. So impressive in his own right. I think you'll enjoy hearing from him. He's joining us on our show this week. Also, I'm joined by Travis Eagleson, the Director of Business Development, and Chef Robert Wood. They're with Superfood Performance Nutrition. Superfood Performance Nutrition works with professional sports teams and athletes to provide meals built with athletic intent to fuel the athlete's body through the rigors of a long season. They work with teams like the Washington Capitals, the Washington Wizards, and the LA Kings. We're even going to have Chef Robert Wood share a recipe for an out-of-this-world smoothie with you that you can make at home. I'm joined by Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Griggs, how are you? Hey, anytime we can have a hockey legend and talk about food on the same show, I mean, it's a win-win right there. Yeah, I think our audience will have a lot of takeaways today. And I want to remind our audience, subscribe to and rate our award-winning podcast on iTunes. We love it when you rate us five stars. And when you review us, so please take a few minutes to do that if you would. Greg, some headlines to get to. The NFL is officially adding a 17th game to the schedule. Uh, Recent media deals that we talked about last week were made with the 17th game in mind. The NFL has played a 16-game schedule since 1978. So this is going to be a lot more money for the owners and the players. And it's one more regular season game. I know some of the players have fought this over the years because it's, you know, one more opportunity for players to get hurt at the end of the year. Uh, I would imagine a lot of players, if they've already clinched, a, uh, if their team has clinched a playoff position, they're probably going to sit that 17th game. But uh, here we go. Hey, I'm liking it. Another game of NFL football to watch. I'm down with that. But I think, like you said, Probably some of the players, not as much into it, but I bet you everybody else is. I mean, you know the TV giants are loving it. You know the NFL is loving it, more exposure. And uh, hey, I'm down. Bring me the 17th game. They've been talking about this for a while, so I'm glad to, uh, glad that it's getting done. Yeah, I think it's been long rumored and, and now will be happening. How about this one? So uh, the U.S. men's national team failed to qualify for the third straight Olympics. So the team lost to Honduras over the weekend. They won't be playing in Tokyo this summer. Griggs, the fact that the U.S. men's national team players are paid more than the U.S. women's national team, it's outrageous. We talked about this last week with Lindsey Horan, who's on the U.S. women's national team. The women deliver championship results in the Olympics and the World Cup year after year, yet they're paid less than the men, and the men can't even qualify 
for the Olympics, the men haven't played in the Olympics since 2008. They haven't played in the World Cup since 2014. This is like, we live in a results-based world. How can this even be possible? It's unacceptable on so many so many levels. I mean, it's just baffling to me that the U.S. soccer men can't put together a team that can compete. It's just unbelievable. They're getting beat by teams that probably shouldn't be beating them either. I mean, it's not like Honduras is like a world champion team. And uh, like you said, the ladies are incredible to watch and they outperform and they have results every time. They win everywhere they go. So it's just baffling to me too. I don't get it. So a plug like I just threw out, Lindsey Horan from last week, U.S. Women's National Team might be the best or one of the best women on that team heading to Tokyo this summer. She is really peaking right now. So uh, great conversation with Lindsay Horan from last week's edition of Sports Business Radio, if you missed it. All right, another headline. Hello, friends. Jim Nance has signed a multi-year agreement to remain at CBS. It was reported this past weekend. Nance's old deal paid him $6.5 million a year terms of the new deal were not disclosed, but it's a long-term deal. And he was not looking for Tony Romo money, which what is that in the neighborhood of 16, $17 million a year. But you know, he wanted a bump because I think of the main voices at the networks, he was the lowest paid and he wanted to be in the upper echelon. So, uh, you know, we don't know the terms of the deal, but if he signed the deal and the negotiations went on for a few months, must have been a pretty good deal, and it must have been more than $6.5 million a year. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's kind of baffling to me that he was one of the lower paid because he's just iconic. I mean, for the Masters, for March Madness, for golf, for everything he does, football, it's just like his voice is iconic. And I love how Capital One's working him into the commercials now and stuff, too. I think it's great. He's definitely a personality. He's having fun with it. And uh, he should be paid because he brings a lot of listeners and, and viewers to, this, to the TV. The problem with his commercials with Capital One is now his play-by-play during the game sounds like a commercial. Like I can't separate the commercials from the play-by-play during the games. (laughs) So I'm just saying, Oh my gosh, those capital one commercials, not a big fan. I mean, I like the people in the commercials, but yikes. Uh, And, and the bad thing about the tournament is they show the same commercials over and over and over again. So by the end of the tournament, you're like, Oh my God, I've seen this commercial a hundred times. I just want to flip the channel when the commercials come on. So they're kind of wearing us out. I hope they have some new commercials for the final four. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, you can tell they have their top four advertisers they've sold out to. And it's like AT&T capital one. It's just, you're right over and over and over again. You, I always wonder like when you know, you have a long span of commercials, like a tournament for a month, why don't they make five or six different versions of stuff? But apparently not. Yeah, apparently not. All right. Final four coming up this weekend in Indianapolis, Lucas oil stadium. If you haven't heard our show with Joanne Scott from two weeks ago, where she is the person who plans the NCAA men's tournament. Um, That's a good listen too. gives you some really good insight, talks about how they're going to plan for the final four. I'd encourage you to listen to that. Griggs, I got to tell you the best basketball game I've watched in the last month. It's not in the men's tournament. It was the UConn Baylor women's game, 27 and one UConn against 28 and two Baylor. And that came down to the end. A lot of people think that the, woman from Baylor was fouled uh, with a couple seconds left. I, after seeing the replay and the pictures, I wouldn't disagree, but you know, gosh, Paige backers from UConn, the freshman, holy cow. She is a walking bucket. She is fun to watch. And she had, I think 28 points in that game, but that was a high level game. And, and frankly, the best basketball game I've watched men or women in the last month. Yeah, it was super competitive. I love how quick paced that game too. Lots of point scoring. And you're right, just some money shooters and came down to the wire. Yeah, I agree. Very competitive. Very fun to watch. The women's tournament has been great. I've been watching it probably as much as the men's tournament. And I agree. It's been very entertaining. Yeah. Paige Backers is, is, like I said, fun to watch. All right. Coming up next, Mark Messier, Hockey Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champion, one of the top five hockey players ever. He's got great advice on leadership. He'll tell us about his work with a queso hemp powered hydration. And we'll talk some hockey, something we don't do very often on this show. So I'm kind of excited to do that. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This segment of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Power Up Premium Trail Mix. Forget the stale trail mixes with peanuts, raisins, and junk candy. Power Up is a trail mix brand 
that specially curates their mixes fresh with good for you quality ingredients that power you up with nutrients your body needs and flavors your taste buds crave. These premium trail mixes come in several varieties and can be eaten on the go wherever the day takes you. Fuel up like sports icons Lindsey Horan and the Washington Capitals and find Power Up Nationwide at retailers on Amazon and at PowerUpSnacks.com. My guest is Mark Messier. He is a Hockey Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champion, first and only player to captain two different teams to the Stanley Cup, two-time Hart Memorial Trophy winner as the NHL's MVP, brand captain for Akeso Hemp Powered Hydration. You can follow him on Instagram at the real Mark Messier. Mark, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Great to be on with you. So let's start by talking about your your partnership with Akeso. Um, I have never heard of such a company that is hemp powered hydration. Explain to us the product and how you got involved with them. Yeah, um, interesting uh, question and uh, something that uh, you know for me, I, I played uh, professional hockey up until I was forty three, forty four years old. Uh, was always into. Uh, new techniques, uh, new design technology. And if you, you can imagine, I played in four different decades. So I really saw uh, the transformation of our game in so many different ways, uh, from equipment standards to uh, practices, to off-ice training, to uh, supplements, to nutrition. Um, and it's one of the things that really kind of allowed me to stay healthy and fit and play till I was at the age of, you know, 43, 44, 26 years pro. Uh, in retirement, uh, you know, 43, 44, starting a young family, wanted to make sure that I was able to run around and uh, play with the kids and, uh, and be able to keep up and live a, you know, super healthy life, uh, active life. I'm very active uh, in, in, all, in all sports. I work out, uh, you know, I playing, fishing, hiking, spending time outdoors and wanted to be able to do it without a lot of problems. I'd heard a lot of stories about CBD and this efficacy of, from people that had been um struggling with their health uh, in their joints and pain and things and and just more and more stories started to come up with these people with the people using cbd uh i became interested in just in their own journeys of how it was helping them um i think we all got uh, were fascinated by the young girl who had many seizures and traditional medicines weren't helping her and she finally was introduced to an extraction of the of a, a marijuana plant when they were able to extract the CBD and how it helped her stop her uh, seizures. I think the world kind of started to take notice then um, about the efficacy of that uh, other than traditional medicines. And for myself as an athlete, um, how do you stay hydrated uh, without you know, pouring all the sugar into you and uh, getting all the effects and benefits from CBD. Uh, I was approached by a, a, a queso uh, and the people behind it uh, with their, of their por- uh, sports performance water. Uh, I tried it. I looked into it and I said, if you can get hydrated with a tasty drink of water, you can get 10 milligrams of CBD and you can get some electrolytes and then the benefits of some uh, stress relief and anxiety. I'm going to sign up for that. Huh. And uh, and that's exactly what happened. I, I I believe in the product. I'm using the product. Uh, it's a refreshing drink of water without all the sugars added to it. And so we can call ourselves a, a sports performance uh, hydration uh, uh, beverage. And I think that's pretty uh, pretty appealing to me, anyways. I'm sure over the last uh, 25, 30 years, you've been approached by many companies to work with them. What are the qualities and traits that you look for before you say yes to working with a company? Very simple. I thought I was in the hockey business for 26 years, but I, when I retired, I realized I was in the people business. And uh, it's all about galvanizing people together to share, share a dream and, and work together for a common goal. And so the first thing that I've always done is I've made an effort to get to know the people behind any of the products that I ever endorsed or got involved with and make sure I felt comfortable with the vision, the direction, the character, uh, the qualities that, uh, you know, afforded me success uh, aligning with people that had the same kind of 
um, you know, aspirations as I did. Uh, I don't think it's any different in business. Uh, so that's the first one. Second one is that uh, I have to be able to <laughs> believe in the product and want to uh, use the product. Uh, and to me, uh, hydration was something that uh, became very key in my own experiences as a professional athlete, especially down in the playoffs when it became very hot and humid in the rinks. Uh, I saw where hydration, where players got hydrated and uh, were hooked up to IV uh, bottles late in in playoff games, uh, it 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 hindered their performance, and so I was well aware of uh, of how being dehydrated could make cowards of the best players in the world if they didn't take care of it. So, um, and then of course all the benefits that uh, with hydration with the CBD, it just seemed to be a, a, an amazing uh, product. And so, you know, I spent enough time talking to the people. Uh, how they're able to infuse this CBD into the water without any kind of taste, which was incredibly uh, uh, innovative, and it's to do it without all the harmful effects of a lot of sugar. So um, though, that's really the simple uh, answer of the process that I take to uh, align myself with any, any person or any company. I want to talk some hockey with you. I'm actually based in Portland, Oregon, and my research tells me that you lived in Portland for a little bit. Did your dad play for the Portland Buckaroos? Well, long history. Uh, my dad was a was a professional hockey player and and did. He played for the Portland Buckaroos back in the 60s. Uh, so I was born in Edmonton, Alberta in 1961. Uh, he was traded uh, quickly after that to, uh, um, to Portland from, uh, from the Edmonton Flyers. And uh, I spent the first six, seven years of my life in Portland, Oregon. We lived in, uh, in Beaverton. Wow. And, uh, and uh, we had a cabin up in the rhododendron on the base of Mount Hood. And so I spent my childhood uh, fishing along the Zigzag River and up and down the mountain uh, uh, there. And, uh, yeah, it was an amazing experience. And then, of course, uh, years later, when I was 16 years old, I got a chance to play for the junior hockey for the Portland Winterhawks in the same building that my father played. And so it was, it was, uh, it was really gratifying to be able to, uh, to do that and bring it back home to Portland. How did you first get introduced to hockey? Obviously, you have a dad who played, but like, at what age did you say, this is something that I really want to do the rest of my life? Well, I remember going with my, living in Portland and going with my dad to his practices before I was in school. And I, I had a chance to skate before their players got on the ice because you know, there wasn't uh, much hockey in Portland. There was zero hockey at, at the time. Uh, my father was actually the one who started the whole minor league hockey program in Portland back in the in the 60s. Um, so that was my first introduction to uh, to hockey. Uh, of course, everybody wants to be like their dad. I saw my dad playing hockey. I have you know very vague memories of of going to the games and sitting behind the net and watching him. Uh, you know, I was probably six years old, so it's it's very vague. But uh, but I do remember traveling with him to the to the rink and and skating before with my older brother and. Uh, and so my early, earliest uh, introduction to hockey was actually in Portland, Portland, Oregon. Wow, that's amazing. You are one of the great leaders in the history of sports, any sport. Again, six Stanley Cups, uh, the only player to captain two different teams, the Oilers and the Rangers, to Stanley Cups. Mark, what makes for a good leader? We have a lot of people who listen to this show who are not only sports leaders, but business leaders. What makes for a good leader? Yeah, that's uh, that's a secret question. Uh, you get asked that often, and I don't know if there's any one thing that makes a great leader. I think there's many different styles of leadership. Uh, for me, um, I always felt that I was never a player that could carry a team uh, by myself, and so uh, all of my success uh, came from uh, the inclusion of everybody and making everybody feel uh, responsible, making everybody and holding everybody accountable. And anything other than your best wasn't good enough. For each and every player, no matter how much they played, uh, whether you're the top minute guy or the or the least amount of, of, of player that, uh, in minutes, uh, everybody uh, uh, had to do their job and, and, and do it well and then, um, you know, be praised for it. Uh, trust uh, is something that you can never uh, discount. Um, um, you know, Abraham Lincoln said that no man can govern another without his consent. Uh, you have to earn the, the, the trust of the players in order to lead them. And that takes a lot of effort uh, away from the ring to get to know each and every individual personally and figure out where they've come from, you know, what motivates them, 
what uh, issues they might have that are holding them back from reaching their potential. Um, and you create, in my experiences anyways, uh, we tried to create a real family atmosphere where, uh, you know, we were a brotherhood and we were looking out, out, out after each other. And, um, and you share, a, uh, you share, a, hopefully you find something that can, you know, galvanize the team together, um, a certain motivation and it can be different every year. Uh, you just never know where that motivation is going to come from, but ultimately, um, you know, everybody has to feel really good about the position that they're on the team. They have to feel good about their participation in the success of the team. And, uh, and uh, trust is just a, just a massive factor, in my opinion. I think the Oilers are one of the most underrated dynasties in sports history. Five Stanley Cups. What was it like when you had it going and, you know, it was the glory days there in Edmonton, the games are sold out. You played with Wayne Gretzky. That must've been quite an amazing uh, feeling. It was uh, one of the most ex- incredible experiences of my life, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we all started there when we we're 18 years old to in a, an expansion team in my hometown. I knew what NHL hockey meant to the people in Edmonton. I know we got the WHA came in, uh, as as the other pro league in the in the, in the early seventies, and it was amazing. But it, you know, it still wasn't the NHL. I had many aunts and uncles and relatives that were either you know Montreal Canadian fans or Toronto Maple Leaf fans, and uh, so I knew the power of the NHL. And to have a you know NHL franchise come to Edmonton, uh, it was nobody could believe it. To be honest with you, uh, you know, we're eighteen years old. We 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 come into the league. Uh, we have some older veterans on the team, but a lot of young guys in the first two or three years, weaving our way through the through the uh, uh, professional life uh, as a young kid. And of course, you know, there's this little skinny kid called Wayne Gretzky that uh, you know changed the face of the game forever. And uh, we were lucky to have him on our side. And uh, you know, it, be quick, it, it became very uh, apparent quickly that uh, Wayne at some point was going to win a Stanley Cup. So we wanted to figure out a way how we could uh, contribute to that success in any way we could. And we formed an amazing uh, alliance as a brotherhood between, you know, the core group of players that were there for many years and uh, were able to go on and win, you know, five Stanley Cups in, in seven years, actually six, six finals in eight years. But, uh, but uh, it was an amazing run and all led by Wayne and, uh, and the other great players that uh, were, uh, were alongside for the ride. That was remarkable, but I got to tell you, Mark, I think what you did in New York was even more remarkable. A 54-year drought for the New York Rangers. You go there, and one of the hardest things to do in sports is change a culture, especially a losing culture. You went in there and led them to a Stanley Cup, and I think that was one of your more remarkable achievements in your career. What was it like to go in and change a culture of a franchise? Very interesting. I had been a part of the culture from the beginning in Edmonton that we built. Uh, and I became very aware of the culture that we built because some players would come in and uh, they weren't able to latch on to the culture for some reason or another. But it became very apparent when they couldn't. And, uh, and if you do have a strong culture, the decisions that you have to make on player evaluation become very easy there because they're either in or they're out. Um, and we built that in Edmonton. So I didn't think much of it till I got to New York and, and realized that the culture needed to be changed. Uh, and the one thing you can't be afraid is uh, to uh, articulate what you're uh, trying to do as, as, as a team. Uh, in our sport, we're trying to win a Stanley Cup. So if you're not willing to talk about winning a Stanley Cup and how you're going to try to win a Stanley Cup and the roadmap to get to the Stanley Cup, and everything you do is going to be based on whether that gives us a better chance to win the Stanley Cup or that gives us a worse chance to win the Stanley Cup. But if you have that in your mindset all the way through and you're not afraid of the pressures that that put on each and every individual from the players to the coaches to the managers to the owners, then you can start to kind of really work towards uh, achieving it. Uh, it, it. It was something that was not welcome to talk about it because uh, for many different reasons that we don't need to get into. but. Uh, I think we're able to change that over time in, in the three years that I was there. Um, you know, one thing I didn't really anticipate was not being able to talk about all the experiences I had in Edmonton because it, what became apparent to me at the time was that the players in New York didn't care about what happened in Edmonton. The only thing they cared about was going to happen in New York with them. So 
we had to kind of go through all these experiences together, all the while knowing, uh, you know, what was right, what was wrong uh, from the past, uh, you know, 10 years, 12 years in Edmonton, but had to relive it with the, with the players in New York, uh, you know, earn their trust to lead them, uh, go through the, the, you know, the failures, the ups and downs, uh, celebrate the victories and the small steps towards it with all the while not taking our eye off what we're there for and, and to make sure that we started talking about it. And in fact, our third, by the third year, when Mike Keenan came in, the first thing he did in training camp was to show us the 1986 uh, ticker tape parade with the New York Mets. And so everybody started to envision what it would be like for us to win a Stanley Cup. And here we are now, 53, 54 years later, it never been done. And now we're 84 years later or more and counting with only one Stanley Cup. So it was a remarkable achievement with a remarkable uh, team of players that uh, sacrificed everything they had to get the job done. But one thing I, I, I keep getting back to is that everybody knew what the goal was and everybody was working day in and day out to try to achieve it. From everyone I've ever talked to who's played in New York or worked for a sports team in New York, they say winning a title in New York is just different. Like, you know, you're never going to buy another dinner there. It's amplified there more than any place else. The sports fans are so diehard. Has that been your experience? It, it was an amazing experience in that regard in every way. Um, I think when I got to New York, I, I, I understood that the, the original six, the history, uh, the challenges that the team had had, uh, the failures that the team had had, the successes that the, fail the team had had, but all the successes were always met with failures in the end. So anytime in, the, in that great season that we had in 93, 94, when we would set a team record, we were always reminded that, uh, you know, that happened in 1970, whatever, and then the team lost. So uh, we kind of kept our focus in on what we were trying to accomplish. We never let that kind of drag us down. We played fearless. Uh, you know, all the team's past success um, didn't, didn't alter our, didn't alter our mindset. It didn't alter our, 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 uh, our, our confidence. Um, we just kept plugging away. Uh, we were a very confident uh, team. And, uh, you know, when we finally won, um, it, it was just incredible, actually, to see the reaction. When I got to New York, I, I got to know a lot of fans. I really, you know, I knew about the fan base, but until you actually experience it, and don't forget there, the first year we won the President's Trophy, the second year we didn't even make the playoffs. So we rode this huge wave all the way up the curve, all the way down to the deepest depths of despair <laughs> that you can imagine by losing and not even making the playoffs, which had only been done for a team that won the President's Trophy and then missed the playoffs the next year. I don't think it had ever been done. Then the third year, going all the way back up the roller coaster to the pinnacle and winning the Stanley Cup. But I think that's one of the things that made the the the, the title and the Stanley Cup so special is that I understood the passion uh, uh, on a deeper level, uh, be, having been uh, part of that uh, losing season and uh, being a focal point of that for many different reasons. But it also is what made the championship so special. And I think what cemented the relationship uh, with that team, with the fans, even more so. Mark, just a few minutes left before I let you go. Uh, the state of the NHL. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't feel like I know many of the hockey players personally. I, I feel like I know NBA players, NFL players, some of the baseball players. The hockey players, I don't feel like I know them very well. What can the NHL do to make the hockey players more marketable or introduce them to the fans a little bit more? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, hockey fans traditionally, or hockey players traditionally have always been, um, it's such a team game. Everything is about the team in hockey. You can't win alone in, in any sport. Certainly, you can't win alone in hockey. So everybody is taught from a very early age or that it's all about the team, which is exactly what you need to do in order to be successful. And everything is geared towards the team. Um, and so it's hard for players to make that transition from, um, you know, a spokesperson or stepping outside the team to do anything because of the fear of being uh, labeled uh, whatever. Uh, and, and, and traditionally it's been hard. I think we're, we're doing a better job now. I think social media has made a, a difference in that regard where players can express themselves a little more openly 
without any kind of backlash. Um, and, you know, I just think, you know, we've come a long way in the game of hockey, believe me, as far as marketing and, and uh, not only the game itself, but the pl- individual players. Um, and, and really, it, it, it gets down to the individual player themselves of how they want to present themselves to the world. Uh, you know, some players don't want to do that. Other players are a little more apt to kind of do it and, and, um, and uh, show a little more of their, of their personality away from the game and all that. So I think it's really an individual choice. I don't think it's a league problem. Uh, I think our game has been, uh, you know, with the new TV contracts over the last five, 10 years, I think, you know, with the HD TV, it's, it's way easier to follow on TV now. Um, you know, the business has grown. So obviously things are, 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 uh, are stable in that regard. And uh, I don't think, to be honest with you, I don't know if the, if the league has ever been as competitive it is, as it is. And it seems like every team has great young players that come into the, t- into the teams every year. And you can, there seems to be a superstar on almost every team. Um, so I think the appetite for the games is high. Uh, I enjoy watching the games. I mean, I spent my whole entire life playing hockey and I, I still love watching the games on the, when I get a chance at night. So, uh, and keeping up with the players and what's going on and the, and the taglines and the stories behind the scenes and all that. Uh, so I like where the game is at. Uh, and to your point there, I think there's so many interesting stories and so many interesting players that could be told, but it's really up to the individuals of how deep they want to take it. And as you can see in other sports, uh, some players take it further than others. And so I think it's more of an individual choice. All right. Before I let you go, how does a kid from Canada wind up owning the Runaway Hill Club in the Bahamas where you fly the Canadian flag there at the resort? <laughs> that looks like a nice place, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I grew up, uh, you know, outdoors, uh, you know, hunting, fishing, uh, outdoors, anything to do with outdoors. I love the water. Uh, the water tra- was somewhere that I could get on the off season and really kind of seemed to get away from everything uh, after a hard season. You know, uh, as a captain, I just wasn't living my own life. I had to live 30 lives during the re- course of regular season, and it was exhausting, to be honest with you. And so the summers, I really took uh, time to recharge myself, and I found that uh, being on the water was a way I could really do that and get away from everything. And I uh, started, you know, I fished my whole life uh, on freshwater uh, rivers and lakes and all that. Uh, got down to Hilton Head in 91 uh, started going 80 miles offshore in a little center console boat at uh, three in the morning and, wow. and fishing there. And ultimately got down to the Bahamas, which I fell in love with, and bought a, a, a 55 foot sport fisherman. And we were, you know, we'd go off for months at a time fishing up and down the Bahamian Islands and stopped here in Harbor Island and uh, fell in love with the island, uh, you know, fell in love with the people, you know, got, I came up to Runaway Hill here and, uh, Started talking to the previous owners and and thought this would be a good place to hang my hat in retirement after I was playing. So that was back in uh, so so ninety five first came down here or ninety four after we first won the Stanley Cup, and then two hundred three we uh, we got the hotel and uh, been hanging out here ever since. Anytime I get, any chance I get, Michael Jordan's a big fisherman. Have you guys ever gone fishing? Two greats of sports history. He's got a beautiful boat as well. He loves the, he loves the water. Uh, you know, Tiger loves the water. Uh, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a big adventure out there. Uh, as my captain uh, used to say, there's no fences when you get out, uh, out of the marina. And uh, we've seen a lot of amazing stuff. We've had a, a lot of amazing times with family and friends. My kids growing up on the water and seeing some things that you would never see uh, if you never got on the water. So, uh, the adventure for me was just so incredible that, uh, it's something that, uh, I'll continue to do and, uh, and look for newer, greater adventures, uh, every year. Mark Massier joining us on behalf of a queso hemp powered hydration hockey hall of famer, six time Stanley cup champion. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at the real Mark Messier. Mark, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Best of luck in the future and, uh, hope you catch some big fish out there. I'm I'm looking forward to it, (laughs) all the while staying hydrated. That's right. (laughs) You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Sports Business Radio host Brian Berger here. The wait is finally over. Sports Business Radio merchandise 
has finally arrived. We're working with our friends at the Parish Project to provide you with the opportunity to buy really quality sports business radio merchandise. We've started with long sleeve t-shirts and short sleeve t-shirts. They come in five different colors each, a variety of sizes. I love my shirts. And soon we're going to have hoodies to offer as well, hooded sweatshirts. I know a lot of you are wearing hooded sweatshirts while you're working from home these days, but whether you're working out, just lounging around the house, or doing whatever you're doing, you can rock Sports Business Radio merchandise. I think you're going to love it. Go to parishproject.com. That's P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. Parishproject.com. And you can order your Sports Business Radio merchandise today. We appreciate your support. And uh, send us your best picture. Tweet it to us at SB Radio. Or also you can get us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. We look forward to seeing you rocking that Sports Business Radio merchandise. My guest is Travis Eagleson. He is the Director of Business Development. And I've also got Chef Robert Wood with Superfood Performance Nutrition. You can find them online at mysuperfd.com. They work with a number of professional sports teams and athletes to provide meals built with athletic intent to fuel the athlete's body through the rigors of a long season. Guys, thanks for joining me. How are you? Doing great. Thank you. Appreciate uh, having us on here. We're excited to, uh, to join. So why don't you start by giving our listeners uh, kind of the backstory as to how Super FD Nutrition was started. Sure. Um, so we started off in, in 2013 as a, as a company called EcoCaters and, and uh, acquired our first client, which was the Washington Capitals, our first sports client. And as, an, as a chef, I've, I've been in the kind of farm to table movement my whole career. And the, the ingredients has always been my, you know, kind of my, my leverage. I've always tried to, to really represent the farmers and, and, um, and come to find out, you know, the professional sports franchises were starting to look the same thing at the same thing. So uh, we started providing full service for the Capitals. Uh, we added on other clients like the Wizards and started doing in-flight catering and, and we, we founded the brand Superfood in 2015 because of how much sports business we were doing. We really knew that we saw the, the, the need for it and we saw that it, it deserved its own brand that was specific towards it and that we could kind of build, you know, around. And so we founded, uh, founded Superfood as, uh, as a means to house all of our sports business under one roof. So, this is for either uh, one of you, but... What specifically are you providing for your sports clients? I know, you know, you can do anything from pregame meals to uh, meals on flights. I know you work with some of the teams to provide meals on, on Delta Airlines, I believe it is. But right. what specifically are you providing for your sports clients? So every team, I think, is a little bit different um, in the way that they need and the, how they need uh, some of their meals served. And like you said, pregame um, in the locker rooms. Uh, at the arenas is definitely a big thing, as well as post game, where we design meals that are you know kind of recovery based. Um, and then, like you said, we also do a lot of in flight meals. Um, you know, I don't think people realize how much uh, athletes need to eat and should be eating. <laughs> um, so we have this idea; we call it continued nutrition, and it's you know making sure that when the athletes are away from their facility. Uh, where they're getting fed by, you know, superfood or wherever their team's food provider is, that they take that continued nutrition with them everywhere they go on the road. And so what we do is we do, you know, with their in-flight meals, um, Chef Robbie can actually speak to a little bit more, where he's actually designed a menu to taste better in flight. Um, and it's, there's some, some kind of nerd food science behind it, but it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, so, yeah, we do, you know, Pre post game in flight, we do personal meal service for some of our athletes. Um, we do home meal delivery service now that we just started here, uh, only in Washington D.C. But those are some of the things we provide uh, for some of our teams and athletes. So, chef, what makes for a good in flight meal? Well, I'm in charge of all things food nerd based, and um, I so it's it's interesting because 
when you think about uh, what has to happen to an airplane cabin to get it up in the air, so they have to pressurize the cabin and dehydrate it in order to pressurize it. And so all of the things that we taste, our olfactory senses, are, are both based on moisture and humidity and, and uh, these little hairs, right? So when you pressurize that, it screws everything about your taste buds up. And so we just, when I discovered that, I really uh, started to study, well, what, what is it, the availability there? And so glutamate is a, one of those flavors that has a different receptor system. Uh, so we, we focus on foods that are high in glutamates, which are like asparagus, uh, mushrooms, tomatoes. So it's, it's those things in the flavor profile uh, that the Japanese call umami uh, for folks that want to kind of do a little more digging in about that topic. But uh, it, it, that way, when you get up in the air, you, you're tasting using different receptors and you can enjoy the food, uh, whether you're pressurized or not. And I'll just add, there's, there's actually another kind of logistical uh, challenge to that too. You know, you think about on a airplane, depending on the size of the airplane, could have different sized ovens or, you know, it's a short flight versus a longer flight. So we actually have taken that menu that he's uh, built and figured out different levels of packaging to make sure it's reheated efficiently. It tastes good. It's cooked well. You know, getting a steak medium, the medium rare on an airplane is a challenge. So we do things in the way that the flight attendants can jump on board heat up the food in their ovens that are designed for that size airplane and you know the players get a high quality meal so you guys mentioned washington capitals la kings washington spirit ontario rain um, you work with nhl nba major league baseball nwsl and pll what kind of feedback are you getting from the athletes about the food are they giving you any feedback on we want more of this and less of that how do you work with them to, to give them what they want? Yeah, they definitely give us a, a fair amount of feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, um, it's, it's great. When we first started doing this, uh, the, the, the amount of information that was kind of, you know, flowing around the topic was not as great. And you didn't see the dedication, you know, the, the athletes that were really dedicated to their diet were a little bit further apart. Now you see it kind of coming together. All of the younger guys that come into the leagues or younger women that come into the league, they're all putting their diet at the forefront. And they all understand that, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, you could have gotten away with a lot of stuff and competed in the leagues. But today, you really have to focus on your diet to fuel your body properly or else you're going to, you know, you, you're going to hurt your career over the long term. So it has been fun to watch that, uh, that priority really mature in all the leagues that we deal with. So it's been a lot of fun. I've been to a number of these practice facilities now and they all have, you know, state of the art kitchens and they brag about the food they're serving in the restaurants and they've got kombucha bars. And I mean, it is very, very healthy. But during the pandemic, a lot of these places were not open and athletes were stuck at home. How did you work with your clients during the pandemic to make sure they're still eating healthy? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, especially because a lot of the players weren't exactly at or around their team facility. You know, they're back home with their families or where they live, you know, uh, the rest of the time they're not in season. So it's definitely a challenge for the teams to be able to provide a service or provide something that they can have that ability to, you know, have that continued nutrition, as we spoke about. Um, I think a lot of what we did during that time was very consultation based, you know, speaking with the players individually, you know, we make ourselves very available to the athletes we work with, not just from a team standpoint. So a lot of the players, they have our phone numbers, they follow us on Instagram, they ask us questions, we give them recipes to cook at home, yeah, we give them, you know, resources that we know around their town or their area that, you know, they can go shop or order from that's reliable and we kind of do some vetting uh, on that part. So let's talk about your business model. You mentioned, obviously, you're working with sports teams. You said in D.C., you're working with customers direct to consumer. I live out on the West Coast. At some point, would I be able to use your service? And do you see yourselves going nationwide at some point? So we, um, we're developing different uh, markets. So D.C. And, and L.A. are two home markets for us at this point. And, and then we, uh, we have great relationships 
where we provide services in any other markets. And so we're using these two base markets as our incubator markets to really design the services that we can then uh, kind of roll out in the other markets we have um, <clears throat> production kitchens in. So uh, we, we really want to uh, continue to, to be focused on uh, in a, not innovation in the fact that good food is good food, but how can we provide better service? How can we engage with, you know, athletes at home, you know, cause every, everyone has, everyone, you know, is, is very charged about their diet and wants to fuel their performance executives to, to, to moms at home that have, you know, four kids. I mean, that takes a lot out of you and you need to be able to fuel your, you know, the moms need to be able to fuel their bodies or their stay at home dads. So we really are focused right now on how we can leverage all the hard work we've done over the years in this education piece to, to provide a, a broader service for folks at home. So please, we hope folks tune in to our social media and to our website and, and, and stay tuned because we are gonna roll out more services as we go forward. Yeah, and it's it's exciting as a consumer, if you have the opportunity, you know, let's uh, again, use the capitals as an example. You're a fan of the team and you're into nutrition, you, you know, call it meal prep or whatever you want. It's definitely from a sales and marketing side, very exciting to think, oh, hey, I can get the same thing that Alex Ovechkin is eating this week right. delivered to my home. So it's it's a pretty, uh, you know, nice value add and, and value opportunity for a, a home consumer. Well, it just seems like during the pandemic, home, del home delivery has really become more prominent for people. They don't want to go to the grocery store. They want something delivered to their door, but they want it to be healthy and fresh. And, you know, yeah. it seems like that's right in your wheelhouse of, of what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we've found the same things that people are more informed than they've ever been. And they're also uh, hungry for uh, the information about their food. They want to know the provenance of the food and, and, and how it was treated as it got there. And so we're, we're getting ready to launch our new website in a couple of weeks. And that, that'll give us the ability to really share more about the whole story of our producers and, and uh, the overall superfood story that we really want to tell. How are you guys going about targeting uh, additional sports teams to be clients in additional leagues and additional markets than the ones that you're in right now? Um, a lot of it is very relationship based. Um, you know, we have partnership deals with some teams uh, that we you know, receive different assets uh, for activation and, and you know, sponsorship type things. Uh, but it is very relationship based where they get to know us, they come into one of our markets and they need a post-game meal and they say, oh, hey, this was you know, really fantastic adobo chicken or whatever we have on the menu. And uh, we say, all right, well, we can you know, feed you in these other cities on your schedule as well. So that's a lot where it starts. Um, you know, we do do a lot of kind of outbound marketing um, and sales campaigns internally, um, including you know, email blast, the cold calling, uh, kind of all the above, all the traditional stuff. But I would say definitely, um, you know, relationship and experience uh, is what really drives most of our sales. Chef, if I'm a professional athlete and I wake up in the morning and it's a game day, take me through the schedule of what's the ideal eating schedule? What should I be eating? What does a game day look like for a pro athlete? Well, you know, there's there's a big variable depending on on the sport, um, but typically they they'll have a kind of morning workout. They they'll eat something at home, have a, have a light bite at home probably. Then they get to the arena or the rink or the fields, you know, wherever they're going to uh, practice for the morning. There's typically typically uh, we'll provide a breakfast. Uh, one of our go tos is uh, like a coconut French toast. Uh, good quality bread, of course. It's all about the, the, the product, the quality of the product. Uh, coconut French toast, organic eggs, uh, some great fresh fruit. Uh, so we always try to get uh, tons of variety in the fresh fruit. On game day, there's always at least four different kinds of fruit in that bowl. Um, so we want to make sure that they're getting the different colors in the rainbow early. Uh, complex carbs early. Sweet potato pancakes is another great example of a game day breakfast. Uh, so we get them started with some complex carbs and some, some good fruit in the morning. Uh, then they typically will have some kind of workout. They'll go through whatever their regimen may be, whether it's in the gym, on the ice, on the court, you know, whatever their case may be. And then we do uh, a meal after the workout. A lot of the players will 
won't eat right after lunch, right after uh, their, their workout. They'll take it home and they'll, they'll usually eat like maybe one or two o'clock in the afternoon. They'll have their second big meal of the day. And then that'll be the last big meal they have. Then they'll have probably a series of two snacks, a heavy snack and a light snack before they go into game time. Uh, because you really want to kind of you, you want to make sure you're, you're, you're filling yourself, but you don't want to you don't want to have the wrong things in your stomach when you when you you know, when it's game time and all the blood leaves your stomach and goes into your muscles. You don't want the wrong things left in your stomach. Right. So uh, so kind of like breakfast, really like good carbs, uh, light proteins for lunch. And then a uh, large snack, small snack, right? You know, closer to the game time. And that's, that small snack is a variable. Some people do it, some people don't. Some people may have a smoothie or some kind of liquid snack in that place. Uh, and then they go in and then, and then it's time for the game. Um, so one of the things that I find interesting is with like hockey, uh, hockey when it, you know, old school overtimes, you know, those, those uh Teams could go back and forth forever. So one of the old school hockey things is rice balls. They'll make like balls of rice for in between overtimes because it's a simple carb. It can keep, you know, keep the guys on the ice, but it won't lock their stomach up or make them have cramping. Uh, so then after a game, you want to, you know, you want good, good, uh, you know, simple carbs to refuel the body. Um, not necessarily complex carbs after a game. I would go a white potato instead of a sweet potato after a game, right? Uh, a white rice instead of a brown rice after a game, because we want that we want that carb to be available and for the rebuilding process that is recovery. Uh, so lean, uh, a little, you know, you can go a little fattier on the protein, but definitely simple on the carbs for post game meal. So, so one of our partners is uh, Power Up Premium Trail Mix, and I know you guys work with them too. What was it about their premium trail mix and their product that attracted you to kind of add them to your list of offerings for your pro athlete clients? It's the label. Look at the label. There's, it's just ingredients, you know, there's nothing extra. So, you know, you're looking at fruits and nuts. That's what a trail mix should have. There's no sodium added. There's no uh, preservatives. So uh, that's the first thing I want to see from my trail mix is I just want a list of fruits and nuts on the trail mix. There's no reason for anything else. And that's what you get from Power Up is just a good, clean trail mix, uh, high quality ingredients, make, make for a good trail mix, just like everything else. I want to ask you about uh, post game. So a lot of these athletes are traveling to another city after the game, if they've got back to backs or they're, they're, I've always wondered, like, how late should you be eating before you go to sleep? Some people say, well, you don't want to have a full stomach when you go to sleep. Um, but then like you said, after the game, you've just exerted all of this energy and burned all these calories. You're hungry. What's the right recipe there for eating before you go to sleep, knowing you don't want to eat too much before you go to sleep. So, so when you look at like, especially like, let's take the back to back for as an instance, whenever they leave, so they're going to get a post game meal. That's going to be within the hour after the game, some guys, some, some players, um, will eat that or some will pack it to go or they'll eat on the plane. And the, the reason being some, some players, men or women can't eat right after the game. Like I, I, if I'm playing basketball, I can't eat for an hour after, right. My, I've got to wind down and my, my stomach's got to relax. And so, um, then I'm starving. Right. So some players, it just depends on their, on their metabolism and how their body works. Uh, but as far as sleep goes, uh, the more the more we find out about recovery, the more important we know sleep is. Uh, and and getting getting players, I don't I don't think eating close to bedtime is is as impactful on the quality of the sleep that they can get. If they go to bed with a full belly, they're probably going to sleep better, and they're going to be able to to put that food to work. I think there are some old um, myths and some old adages kind of that are still stuck around in between sleep and eating. Um, and I think what you'll see is uh, kind of a, a little bit of a myth busting coming out in the sports world as far as the diet and, and sleep goes. I don't think, you know, like you or I eating right before we go to bed might have a different impact than a, than a pro that's been really burning, you know, and then, and then has to refuel. The important part is getting them wound down enough to be able to sleep fully, you know, and, and a, a lot of times they're not getting into their bed until two or three o'clock in the morning anyway. Right on their flight. 
So that, that sleep is a real challenge. And the food certainly supports that in any way that we can find it. How much are you guys working with the team athletic trainer or team nutritionist as you prepare the meal for the teams that you work with? Oh, constantly. Yeah, constantly. Very, very close. We always consult. They're always involved in their menu planning or approving our menus. Um, you know, each team kind of has a different approach or theory. So we are very thorough when we start working with a team for the first time or, you know, for the hundredth time, we're always consulting whether they have a nutritionist or a dietitian on staff to make sure they're involved with exactly what's going into their athletes' bodies. And that's one of the reasons they've come to trust us and continue to work with us on a you know, repeating basis because they know we're going that extra mile to make sure what we're feeding the team is approved by them. And, you know, I, I, as I tell all of our, all of our uh, partners and, and the athletes we work with, I'm, I'm not a certified nutritionist. I know a lot about nutrition. I've, I study it all the time, but they have nutritionists and dietitians for a reason. And, and I tell the nutritionists and the dietitians, I'm here to make your advice taste good. That's it. You know, so you, you lead the charge and then we make everything taste amazing. So. Before I let you go, we have a lot of people listening to this. They're active, they work out, but they're not gourmet chefs. Let's do something easy. If someone wants to make a healthy smoothie, just as a snack or to get them through lunch or, you know, just get them through the day. What are some healthy smoothie recipes that you would suggest, chef? All right. Uh, that is an easy one. So uh, three things that could go in an amazing smoothie would be tart cherry juice. Tart cherry juice is amazing for uh, anti-inflammatory. Uh, just a lot of good benefits. So that's a great base. Cashews. I like cashews in my smoothies as a quality fat. Or you could go cashew milk if, if you wanted to go that way. Um, and then, oh, let's see. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of putting ginger in just about everything. Ginger is another one of my. I, 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 make, I make cashew, cherry, and ginger smoothie at my house on a regular basis. And sometimes I'll put matcha in it. Sometimes I'll put some other, you know, some other powders in it. But uh, cherries, ginger, and cashew is kind of the three, three that I, I use on a regular basis. And is it equal parts, the third, a third, a third? Or do you put a little more tart cherry juice in there? How does that break down? So I would go like... Uh, I would go like half a cup cherry juice and then half a cup cashew milk. I would throw just a little handful of the cashews in there uh, and uh, maybe uh, two teaspoons of, of like ginger, rough chopped ginger um, and blend that up. And, you know, and then you could, you could add in, you know, if you've got some frozen berries in your freezer uh, for a, a little extra fruit, like a frozen mixed berry to kind of get the, the smoothie to puree into a nice, okay. nice thick uh, smoothie. Wow, that sounds good. That, that was too easy. You got to give them a more difficult question. I, I, give them a challenge. I promise you can handle that. That recipe was on the spot. Too, so. <laughs> no, that's, that's excellent. All right. So if I'm an active athlete and I'm getting ready for a game and I need a good pregame go-to meal, I know we talked about this a little bit, but give me something that's healthy, that's not going to weigh me down for my performance, but it's going to get me through the game. So I'll say before Robbie goes into it, one of the things we uh, always like to kind of promote is the idea of consistency. Um, we have teams that have uh, the exact same pregame meal and they've had that exact pregame meal for years because they know exactly how their body's going to react. They know how their stomach is going to feel about leading up to whenever the game time is. So we always try to promote consistency, but I'll let Robbie kind of go into more of the uh, so my, uh, I'm going to give you a good one that's, that's um, I've been cooking a lot lately, sumac chicken. So sumac is an amazing herb and it's a great anti-inflammatory and it adds a little bit of a lemony punch to the chicken. So it's delicious. So we, we um, salt, pepper and sumac on the chicken. We sear it, finish it in the oven and then we serve it with lentils, brown rice and quinoa. Uh, so all three complete proteins. So you're getting a complete dose of uh, vegetable protein. Then we're going to put that, that lean sumac grilled chicken on it and serve it with some sauteed like uh, uh, green beans and red peppers. So it looks, it looks really fun and bright, vibrant. So we all eat with our eyes first, uh, but it also tastes delicious. So, Wow, that sounds incredible. And it, it sounds like 
I mean, not to take anything away from you, a common person could get those ingredients and, and not have too difficult of a time making something like that. And that's the whole point is I could have, you know, I could have told you about foie gras and, and truffles if we wanted to, right? But what's the point? So I'd rather share something that, that everyone listening has access to the ingredients. It really is, it really is about what, what can be most impactful for, for the viewer and for the listener. You know, I could, I could show off if I wanted to, but what's the point? Let's, let's give them something they can use. All right. My last question for you guys is you continue to grow. What's next? I think, uh, you know, if you look at where you are, where we are most successful, it's, it's some of the major markets that have, you know, uh, baseball, football, uh, hockey, basketball, some of those, you know, multi-sport cities. Um, that's really our goal for growth is to continue uh, within those types of markets um, and really own the space for that city. Uh, and when it comes to professional sports and nutrition, um, we've been doing a great job so far. Um, there's a couple on our list. Portland's up there. So we'll, we'll let you know when uh, we are in Portland and uh, we'll be sure to drop some, uh, some nice filet mignon on your uh, stuff for you. Wow. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the important thing is just to make sure from a business standpoint, the volume's there and you're able to maintain and, and uh, be sustainable as a business. And for us, it's those, those multi-sport cities and markets. So let's say that you were going to come to Portland. Are you looking for satellite chefs in Portland who can execute your vision in that market? Is that how, I mean, obviously you guys can't be in every city no. making food for everyone, but how do you do that with, with partners? We call it the certified, the superfood certified kitchen. So we have a model where we, we vet and train chefs in other cities to perform to our standard. Uh, it starts with the, like, again, the provenance of the food. So we, we, we seek out chefs who already use local, who already use high quality ingredients. And, and then we, we, you know, develop relationships with them. This is part of the model that came up as we were doing in-flight all over the country. You know, we, we really saw that, that there was a need for this and there were high quality producers all over that were there and available to be able to, to feed these athletes. They just didn't, you know, there was, there was no connection. So we, we really find a lot of, uh, a lot of satisfaction in connecting with other small and medium sized businesses and bringing this revenue, you know, from, from some of these, you know, franchise franchises that travel all over the country. So it's, it's been a very, a very cool uh, aspect of the business as we've evolved to be able to build this network of, of really high quality chefs. So if I'm a sports team listening to this, if I'm a potential chef in a market you want to be in, or uh, if I'm a consumer that wants direct business from you, I guess, like you said, you're in Washington, D.C. right now. How do I get a hold of you? What's the best way to do it? Do you just go to mysuperfd.com or is there another way that people can reach you? Yeah, I think a uh, website is definitely uh, the best. We uh, are actually should be launching a new website here um, and hopefully in the next few weeks. On Instagram as well, the same thing at uh, mysuperfd. Um, very active on Instagram. Yeah, very active on Instagram. You'll see our players and you know engaging with us in the comments and everything. It's it's a fun time. We're in, we're in Clubhouse too. I, I got a club called Food on Purpose in Clubhouse. Okay. That platform, yeah, it's a cool platform. So nice. Well, I heard the uh, the Capitals players from uh, the In Between the Blue Lines podcast talking about the uh, the coconut uh, French toast that you mentioned earlier. That it seems like they they're big fans of that. Yeah, yeah, Guardian Dow. They they love the French toast. They're uh, probably the two highest. Uh, <laughs> Operators of that, and you know what? Speaking of, of Garnet Hathaway, it's he's he's a great example of of one of the things that we take a lot of pride in at Superfood is is our commitment to the community. And Garnet Hathaway stepped up so many times over the crisis and and delivered for first responders in multiple ways. So he's a, he's a we're very proud to to call him a Superfood ambassador, you know, and to work with him on a, on a daily basis because he really, you know, he he reached out to us at the beginning of the crisis and said, chef, what can we do for, for firefighters that are putting themselves on the line? And so we put together a program and really were able to, to deliver some great value to the community. Um, all because he was, he was like, what can we do? You know? So. Yeah, it was, it was really special to be a part of, um, you know, to be able to go to those firehouses and police stations, deliver food and see their reactions and, you know, filming thank you videos to to send the garnet. 
Um, another player just like that is Ryan Zimmerman from the Nationals. Uh, he started Pros for Heroes, and uh, we worked with him to, jeez, uh, I think we almost did 50,000, 60,000 all together between wow. the two um, over yeah. the, the course of this pandemic. So for us, that's been incredibly rewarding and uh, something we're very proud to, to be you know, part of. Chef Robert Wood and Travis Eagleson of Superfood Performance Nutrition. Again, go to their website, mysuperfd.com. Guys, thanks so much. Uh, I'm going to try that smoothie. And uh, I think <laughs> you guys picture. are. Let us know. Yeah. Uh, and you guys are on to something here. And uh, when you get into the Portland market, let me know. But uh, like I said, I think there's a lot of people looking for healthy food options, whether it's the pro athlete or just the person who's at home doesn't want to go to the grocery store, wants fresh food delivered to their home. So it's healthy and, and convenient for them. So I wish you the best of success moving forward. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate the time and, and, and allowing us to come on here and, and you know talk about our, what we're doing. So thank you very much. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.